Hi, I'm Andrea. And I'm Claudia. And we're the Judgy Crime Girls. Hi. Hi. How's uh, it going? It's going. How are you? Um, I am great. It's what, Wednesday? Mm-hmm. You'll hear this Thursday, presumably uh, middle of the week. It's just been nothing but sickness and vomit and sinuses at, at mm-hmm. my house, my family. How about you? Well, I, I don't think I'm sick per se. It's more allergies. So if I do sound a little nasally or different, that's why people, it's allergies. It's been kind of driving me nuts the last few days. Just kind of bringing me down a little bit. You yeah, know? yeah. It's when you start sounding like a man. I felt like I had a frog in my throat yeah. today. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Uh, you may hear me clear my throat Let throughout. Me clear my throat. <laughs> so, no, I think it'll be fine. I just didn't take any allergy medicine this morning. So... I'm sorry. That's okay. It's my own fault. I didn't do it at lunch either when I went home. I had plenty of opportunities. Trust me. You were busy. I just chose not to. I was busy vacuuming and cleaning. Yeah. Typing away. Murder, she wrote. Murder, she wrote. You should see us when it's crunch time. (laughs) When it's like day of where like no one talk to me. Don't talk to me. Andrea's talking and I'm just, mm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can tell when she totally wants to zone me out. She's like, oh my gosh, I got to get this done. Or I say, I hear some, it doesn't matter, like a word that sounds somewhat important or whatever it is. And I'm like, why? <laughs> Who was that? And she's like, I've been talking to you for 10 minutes. Well, tell me again. It's like my <laughs> husband. It's like, she's you know, work wife situation. You yeah. all know. You, you guys know. You all know. You all have a work wife or a work or a husband that just tunes you out mm-hmm. until they hear something like fire or and- sex. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? Boobs. I'm, I'm sorry. Is it time? <laughs> yeah. Did you? Oh. Did you say boobies? <laughs> no. <laughs> So, well, we have an exciting Saturday coming up. Oh my gosh. It's 80s night downtown. Y'all should come out, see us, hang out, have a beer or a Coke. I know some of y'all listening are not drinkers. No, but... You you realize every episode we sound like boozers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's because we are. (laughs) No, we're not. Yes, we... I am. (laughs) Um, we just love getting together and the idea of drinking yeah or or holding a drink and look like you know we can hang with the big dogs (laughs) and really we can't no we can't but i will not disappoint you if you come to 80s night and say hi to us i will be so excited i'm gonna be labyrinth i told you yes her and Andrea and her husband are going to dress up. Oh, it's going to be so cute. I cannot wait. It's going to be amazing. I might just dress like I used to back in the 80s when I would go out, which, you know, means I'll probably look like a homeless hooker. I just want to see you in roller skates. (laughs) No, no roller skates. Come Mm -mm. on. No fishnet hose and everything. 
No, I don't even have. Can you still buy those? Malia just bought a glove that was fishnet. Yeah, but like, actual like pantyhose. Like, can you still pantyhose? buy those? Shh. I'll look into that. I've been shopping a lot I lately. Have to look. The other day, the mailman and the Amazon driver pulled into my driveway at the same time. <laughs> and Kenny- it was a standoff. <laughs> And Kenny was like, Andrea, they both delivered packages today from Amazon. What is going on? Oh, I thought he would say like, Andrea, there's about a a fight to break out or whatever. Rivalry. That would be Isaiah. He'd be like, Amazon versus mailman. It's always versus. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, so I'm excited for Saturday. Me too. And can I mention that it's going to be your birthday? Sure. Shots. Shots. <laughs> shots. 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 No. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be a good time. I'm not going to drink so much that I vomit or anything, but I will be in a great mood, I'm sure, and drinking. It'll be a, a little great bit. day. I can't wait. It'll be fun. Yeah. So... Yeah, then that, nothing has been going on all week long, really. Well, lots of murder. What's going on over there? Well, this murder, let me me scoot over because I have a couple side notes, which nobody probably really wants to know, but I feel like you guys should know. What? (laughs) Need to know. Well, this one is about Nancy Fister, and this murder happened in Aspen, Colorado. Aspen is a super ritzy area. Like, you and I could not even vacation there, I don't think. Um, Just to tell you real quick what Aspen is about, um, or why we can't afford to live there or vacation there. (laughs) Um, Aspen's single-family home prices are among the highest in the U.S. In 2020, the average single-family home in Aspen sold for $11 million. (gasps) Average. No. $11 million. And nine houses sold above $25 million. As of January 2021, according to Zillow, the least expensive single-family home for sale in Aspen uh, without deed restrictions, was offered at $4.95 million. And Aspen had uh, the second most expensive rentals with a one-bedroom averaging $1,750. One thousand, wow. And it's, I think, only a little over 600 square feet. Oh almost $1,800. <laughs> so... Yeah, I know where Aspen is at on the map, and I will probably never set foot there. Um, But real quick, there are now more than 1,600 billionaires in the world, and at least 50 of them live in Aspen or have like a second home there. And together, uh, they total, their money totals about $350 billion dollars. I would have to pop my collar, walk over to I'm Dead Inside, borrow one of those big fatties. <laughs> yes. And be and pretend to fit in. Just pretend. I don't I'd even be think like, that would do it. No, they'd be like, who's that hooker in the corner? Wanna be. No. 
No. Coming in with our Marshalls <laughs> shirts. <laughs> That'd be me. Hi. Yeah. So um, it, um, it, and it's actually a, a kind of a small town. And I think I'm going to mention it uh, during my podcast here. Um, uh, maybe about 7,000 people live there, which is not very big at all. So, yeah. I thought, I don't know why I thought it was a bigger, yeah, bigger me than too. that. Me too. I thought more like Denver size, but mm -hmm. yeah, no, it's tiny. So, yeah, I even, girl, I feel like a big time researcher. I bought a book. Oh my gosh, <laughs> a real one? A real book, actually. Well, yeah, an ebook about this case. So I feel like... I feel like I'm legit now. Claudia. I know. I read the book. I still have a maybe 1% or 2% left on the book to read, but I pretty much finished it. So the book is called Shadow on the Mountain. So if anybody would like to read it, get on Amazon. Well, I, I love it when you tell me, I would rather you tell me than re me read the book. I can't even be entertained by Netflix anymore. I go on there looking for something and I'm like, yeah, but is it real? Yeah, right. And then I'm like, I just need Claudia to tell me a new murder. Oh. That's what I need. Well, this one is not super old. So this one happened in 2014, actually. So just seven years ago, which is not very long ago. But a trust funder and a world traveler, <laughs> me too, from here to Jefferson Point, <laughs> it's like a world away. <laughs> In her mid-50s, Nancy Pfister was often gone for months at a time to escape the cold Colorado winters. And I guess they're long, oh. the winters. Anyway, yeah. Nancy Pfister and Kathy Carpenter had somewhat of a volatile relationship. Nancy would leave Kathy in charge of her affairs and the house when she was away. Um, Kathy was a bank teller, um, you know, at the local bank and would often deposit checks and cash for Nancy. They were friends, even though uh, Nancy treated Kathy more like an assistant, a servant. And Kathy wasn't really down with that, but she hung out with her because she was rich and Kathy was not. Um, some people even thought they were lovers, but Nancy, Nancy liked men. She um, partied with, and I had to look up this guy because I had no clue who he was, um, Hunter, S., Hunter S. Thompson. He was an American journalist and author who founded the Gonzo journalism movement. Oh, my God. movement. Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> Gonzo journalism is a style of journalism that is written without claims of objectivity, often including the reporter as part of the story, using a first-person narrative. And I wrote a whole bunch of more stuff, but nobody wants to know that, but I still don't know what that means. So, 
<laughs> it must have been something important because when you Google Gonzo journalism, his name pops up because I guess he was the inventor. Okay. Uh, anyway, so she was hanging out with him. Um, she rubbed shoulders with Jack Nicholson and even enjoyed a short-lived engagement to Michael Douglas. And uh, she had a joint baby shower with Goldie Hawn. Even though she never really wanted to get married, she ended up having a daughter at age 29. And it's... So she never got married, had a daughter mm -hmm. at 29. Mm -hmm. In a long-term relationship or just nope. on the fly, yeah. independently, on she, her own? She kind of went to see this guy and I didn't... Uh, his name was there, but I didn't really... Didn't matter in the story. Not not really, no, okay. not at all. But she kind of picked him to be um, the baby daddy. Oh, so, she was like, I choose you. Yeah. Okay. Get me pregnant, knock me up, and I will raise this baby alone. So, um... So she had a baby. Nancy's house on Buttermilk Road was, mm. I know, <laughs> uh, was secluded and set back from the road, which I thought was weird that it said that. And I kind of took it over and kind of copied it because secluded means sitting back from the road. I don't know why it needed to be said. It right. said the house was secluded and set back from the road. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, on February 26, 2014, Kathy, the servant, uh, got worried. She hadn't heard from Nancy in three days. Hold on. The servant. Yeah. Now, as okay. far as I know, yeah. sorry, she, all that she does is, like, works at the bank and does her deposits, cash checks. Mm-hmm. And, is that it? And no, she does other stuff. She is kind of like her assistant, even though she said we're friends, but Nancy treated her like her assistant. Do this for me, do that for me. And she would just do and it. And she would do it. Oh, so it Okay. So she did like runs errands and shit too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Gotcha. Yes. So Nancy, uh, Kathy decided to drive over to the house. Um, she opened the front door and went inside. She was greeted by Gabe, uh, Nancy's eight-month-old Labradoodle. Um, and immediately Kathy um, breathed in a stench of Gabe's mess <gasps> everywhere. Nobody has heard from Nancy in three days. Um, and there was just, you know, poop and pee oh. everywhere. And she's like, why hasn't anyone cleaned this up? Yeah. She went upstairs to the master bedroom and it had a huge walk-in closet. And, uh, she looked around. She noticed that the bed was made, which struck her as odd. Cause you know, Nancy never made a bed in her life. <laughs> she had people doing that. So, um, but nobody was at the house. So she thought. Um, she lifted the cover and she noticed that there were no sheets on the bed. Um, but then she looked up and noticed a little speck or a smear of what looked like blood to her on the headboard. 
she moved over to the closet. Just days earlier, she put a key into the closet door for Nancy, who was coming home after a few months in Australia, but the key was gone. And Kathy checked her purse for the spare key um, she made a couple months earlier when Nancy ordered her to change the locks on the closet. Um, but she left her spare key at home. It wasn't in her purse. So Kathy loaded up Gabe into her car, drove home, um, got the spare key, drove back to Nancy's. She went straight um, upstairs, unlocked the closet, and saw, I guess this closet was huge because she had paintings and shit in there. Um you know, and her clothes. And on the floor was a long white bundle, which could have easily been taken for sheets or a big pile of clothing. Mm -hmm. But this smell <gasps> was so strong that there was no doubt it in Kathy's her. mind that what that bundle was. She ran out of the house um and called nine one one. And uh you know, she was crying on the phone, and I did listen to the 911 tape, and she was really hysterical and just kept saying, my friend, oh, my God, my friend. Mm -hmm. But she said uh, she her friend was wrapped in something full of blood and that she had also seen some blood in the bedroom. When uh, asked where, she said on the headboard. As the 911 dispatcher questioned her, Kathy uh blurted out that Nancy um, really pissed them off. And um, she was referring to an elderly couple, William and Nancy Styler, who until a few days ago were renting Fister's home because she rented out the house whenever she would go away. Oh. So police arrived at Nancy's house and confirmed it was Nancy's body in the closet. Her body was wrapped from the neck down in a heavy duty trash bag and kitchen um, trash bags have been placed over her head. Nancy had been beaten to death. She suffered multiple blunt force trauma due to repeated hits to her head. <clears throat> Police also found an electrical extension cord wrapped around her neck despite the brutal attack, there was little to no blood at the scene except that little tiny smear on the headboard. <gasps> but then police flipped the mattress and they found a large pool of blood. Whoever killed oh. Nancy flipped the mattress over before they left and took the sheets off. Oh my gosh. Um, and Kathy mentioned again that uh, there had been trouble recently between Nancy and her, her renters, um, William Styler and his wife, Nancy Styler. Autopsy was performed. Nancy's death was ruled, obviously, a homicide. Um, her death was, like I mentioned, Aspen is a small town, so it was obviously a hot topic because she was very, very well known, and so was her family. Her dad kind of founded that ski area oh okay okay um and that's how he made his money development mm -hmm. um aspen hadn't seen a homicide since 2001 oh my and this is gosh. 2014 so that's actually a long time yeah um and aspen was not prepared for a murder of this complexity 
the sheriff said, we don't do homicides. <laughs> we don't do that we, here. We don't do that here. And actually, he was referring to America's most famous unsolved murder case, JonBenet Ramsey. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because he was like, we don't do murder, obviously. Right. You know, we, we couldn't really solve this one. So did they get smart and call in someone else? No. Oh, my gosh. Did they not learn that they're not smart enough? Right. No, apparently not. <laughs> but some people were not totally surprised, though, that she ended up dead, that Nancy ended up dead. Uh, Nancy was a party girl. She partied hard, and her taste for drugs, alcohol, one-night stands, and rushing into love affairs with men she barely knew would eventually do her in. They're like, I'm not surprised. Um, you know, and Nancy never really worked anywhere, but if you ask her where, you know, what she does, she would tell you she's an architect or an entertainment producer. <laughs> like, what? So she would just feed you a line? Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. she's a trust fund baby. So am I. Yeah. I just don't know what to do with I everything know. I have. Oh my god, uh, it's so hard. So we not spend. So we don't spend anything because we don't know what to do with our money, right? Right. <laughs> so, but just at six fifteen p.m. shortly after Kathy's nine one one call, Deputy Ryan Turner spoke to her um, outside. Nancy's house, uh, and he thought that Kathy smelled of alcohol, even though she was attending AA meetings. He asked her how much she had to drink, and uh, she denied having had any alcohol at all, but he took note of the smell anyway. And he was like, I know she she drank. She, I know she did. She was like, I haven't been drinking, officer. Not at all. I don't know what you're talking about. What? <laughs> what is going on? What? Yeah. Um, so back inside the house, um, officers were gathered in the master bedroom closet. Uh, one of them shone a light onto the floor where they saw the lump wrapped in the towel, a blanket, and a sheet. And uh, the officer said it looked like a small person or a large animal or maybe a pile of laundry. So... Um, they kind of moved some of the coverings, inspected the body, and that's when they noticed the extension cord wrapped around her neck. Um, and from the shoulders down, the naked body was wrapped in another plastic trash bag. The knees were folded up into a fetal position, and the remainder of the cord was wrapped around them to make her smaller, you know, around her feet and the neck to make her smaller i guess sounds like they were hoping she would be not found for a long time right and they i think they said she they thought she had been dead maybe for two to three days which makes sense because kathy said she hadn't heard from her in three days please tell me this is solved <laughs> solved Yes. Well, okay. Well, well mm, mm, Claudia. Mm. Oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, yeah, everything was wrapped around her to make her smaller, to kind of cinch her in. Uh, based on uh, the officer's experience, and I kind of have to laugh at this, 
experience as a crime scene investigator, I'm like, uh, okay, didn't you just say you don't do murder? <laughs> and um, before this, Aspen hasn't seen a murder in 30 years. Wait. <laughs> anyway, um, Officer Gibson immediately thought uh, they'd be looking for multiple assailants, at least two. It would be extremely difficult for one person to have created this scene in the closet. Dead weight, dead weight is cumbersome. You know, I mean, if you're trying to pick up, you know, a dead body, it seems like it's so much heavier. Was she, was she a larger girl? Or was no. she, no, not mm -mm. really? No, Just, not at all. They still thought it would had to be two people? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um... How could, yeah, because how could one person, even a strong one, have gotten the body off the bed, tied it up with a cord, bend it in half, put it in a trash bag, dragged or carried it into the closet, and flip the mattress? I could do it. I can't. Sure you could. I could not flip my own mattress. Seriously, <laughs> I could not. <laughs> and then, but all of that without getting any blood anywhere. You can't flip your mattress. I can't. Not by myself. <sighs> okay. I have on. a California king. <laughs> it's heavy. It's big. <laughs> but later that evening, Officer Gibson uh, spoke with Kathy Carpenter again. Um, and uh, she said until a few days ago um the stylers have been living in nancy's house while she was away for her long trip to australia mm -hmm. like i said nancy was um a trust fund child she had a trust fund uh but the lawyers had a really tight grip on her money and she didn't really have as much money as everyone thought or you know would get as much every month as they thought she only got about $7,000 a month. And she would finance her trips by renting out her house to people who would, you know, want a vacation um, in Aspen. Because I guess to some people, spending the winter in Colorado is a good idea. <laughs> $7,000 a month. Mm -hmm. mm. Is what she got from her trust fund. Oh, poor her. Right? I feel so bad. And the home was her family's home, so I got to assume it's paid off. And it was kind of small compared to some of the other houses. Um, well, when I say small, what? Well, wait. <laughs> it's yeah. big to us. Yeah, you just told um, me her walk-in closet has paintings. I know. It's, it's crazy. All right. Um, but anyway, she would rent out her house uh, to people who would vacation in Aspen. In October 2013, Nancy put an ad in the Aspen Times looking for someone to rent her $4 million, 4,000 square foot home while she traveled to Australia. The Stylers answered the ad and the two Nancys, uh, Nancy Styler and Nancy Fister, um, hit it off over their love for gardening. Aspen was the Stylers' last hope of recuperating what they had lost. Dr. William Styler, known to friends as Trey, was a highly respected physician who eventually became chief of the St. Joseph Hospital Department of Anesthesiology. 
and his wife Nancy was a nurse who um, she kind of got famous in the world of water lilies. Like she became an expert of water lilies. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so for almost 30 years, they lived the high life in an upscale suburb of Denver called Greenwood Village. But a leg injury, um, Dr. Styler suffered, <clears throat> excuse me, led to a series of misfortunes, including the loss of, loss of his career and subsequent fortune-draining lawsuits. He would sue anybody. And they're like, <laughs> it lasted 15 years. <laughs> Can you imagine? No. Isn't that crazy? I'm like, okay, I'm obviously not getting any money from these people. They have more than me. They can drag this out forever. On to the next lawsuit. <laughs> I'll just keep trying. Someone will give in. Right. I will get my money. Yes. And all of this, um, you know, we had the recession in 2008. Um, uh, the couple, or the recession actually left the couple close to destitute. They decided to move to Aspen, hoping that Nancy could start a spa business and reverse their fortune. They agreed on the rental deal with Nancy Fister for $4,000 a month with $12,000 to be paid up front, wow. including the last month's rent and, and security deposit. They even discussed Nancy Fister possibly investing in the spa business. So, because Aspen, they, um, uh, William and Nancy Styler um, even took um, classes in like Botox, how to give Botox, where to give Botox and stuff. And Aspen is full of rich people and probably full of Botox too. Why didn't we think of that? I don't know. Oh, that's a great idea. I know, but only from May through October in Aspen. Okay. Because it snows early there. All right. You, so. <laughs> I got the Botox. You bring the needles. Yeah, full of rich people. Let's do it. We'll so, inject faces. Anything. Whatever anything you, you need. don't want moved. We can do that. Butt cheeks. Anything. <laughs> you know, we'll do it. I'm not touching your butt. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so anyway, you know, they talked about Nancy Fister possibly investing. Yeah. Um, Fister told the stylers they could start moving in their things, including thousands and thousands uh, of dollars in spa equipment. And I read a couple different articles. One said $20,000 worth of equipment and the other one said 100000 And I'm like, but I thought they were destitute. Where are they getting all this money from? I don't know. I'm going to say the bonding about the garden water lilies. Well, that could be. She was like, I'll front you. Yeah. Mm, that's not how Nancy rolled. <laughs> But, um, yeah, she said, you guys can come move into the home immediately. Uh, you know, she wasn't leaving for a few more weeks. Um, and they could just hang out and she would let them live there, you know, rent free. In return, though, she asked for help with a farewell party she was throwing. Um, and I'm like, girl, you're just gone for the winter. <laughs> but a farewell party. Um 
And this is where the problems began. All three were great friends for the first two days. Oh. <laughs> Until the stylers gave Fister their uh, first $6,000 initial payment. Then, almost immediately, uh, Fister began treating them uh, the way she treated many who knew her, like her personal servants. Uh -huh. She would demand that one or the other styler rub her bag or her feet, bring her champagne, or help her pack her suitcases. Nancy Styler later said, Fister treated me like a slave. And for the stylers who spend most of their lives in a home larger than Fister's, it was kind of humili humiliating. Humiliating. <laughs> humiliating. No, humiliate. Humili <laughs> <laughs> humiliating. Jeez. Fister expected the stylers who were not yet fully moved in because they kept going back and forth to Denver. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, to get things um, to Aspen. Uh, so they were not yet fully moved in, um, and she took advantage of uh, their obvious money problems to contribute financially and otherwise. The couple, uh, wanting to maintain good relations, helped her clean the house and chipped in about $1,600, which they expected to have deducted from the rent later. Okay. You know, that didn't happen. Whenever Nancy would drive back to Denver to get more of her belongings, uh, Fister would say, you know, I don't, I don't want to cuss here really, but you scoundrel, <laughs> scoundrel, you can't leave. I need you here to work for me and I need you to do this and that. And um, Nancy told Trey that she doesn't think she can handle her much longer. She's like, forget all this. I can't do this. But Trey told her to hang in there. And two weeks later, Trey drove their landlady five hours to the airport. I'm like, there isn't an airport in Aspen? That is so weird. That is weird. And maybe Buttermilk Lane was so desolate and secluded. Well, that could be it, too. <laughs> I don't <laughs> that know. she lived that far out of town. But, yeah, he drove her five hours uh, to the airport. Um, Trey said that she had taken so many drugs that he had to order a wheelchair to take her to the <gasps> gate. Wow. And as... Almost as soon as uh, Fister landed in Australia, she began sending the couple angry emails, accusing Nancy of charging close to her credit card and defaulting um, on the second $6,000 payment, rent payment. Yeah. Um, within weeks, she was threatening them with eviction. That didn't last long. I mean, they were friends for a solid two days. That's something. You know. Two days. Is two days of water lilies. An accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Um, the stylers got the money to Fister's designated representative, Kathy Carpenter, who would deposit money for, you know, Nancy. Um, Kathy uh, would, you know, take the money to the bank and do all that fun stuff. But they were like really, really, really good drinking buddies. And I think that's why uh, Kathy still hung out with Nancy, even though Nancy didn't treat her very nicely. You know what I mean? Yeah. But she 
was at AA meetings, so I don't understand all that. Maybe she was trying? Well, I, that could be, that could be it. I don't know. Um, so they gave her the $6,000, but the money never found its way to Fister. Why? I, I wonder what she Kathy, did with it. Kathy said she put it in the safety deposit box. Kathy. So, <clears throat> uh, instead of her bank account, like Nancy's bank account. Um, yeah, and then Nancy began trashing the couple uh, to all her Aspen friends on Facebook, um, sabotaging their hope for new business oh, in the process. Yeah. And uh, Trey was a Facebook friend, you know, was Facebook friends with Nancy, and he could see everything she wrote. And uh, she also told people she was looking for new tenants. <gasps> <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Kathy Carpenter and the Stylers, who were sharing the care of Gabe, the Labradoodle, uh -huh. they became better acquainted, in part due to their bitch sessions about Fister. <laughs> Wait, so the Labradoodle was whose dog? It was Nancy Fister's, Nancy but she Fister's would leave him. And typically, Kathy would take care of him. Okay. But now, the Stylers were living at the house, and they kind of shared, you know, responsibilities, because the Stylers would still go to Denver, and, yeah. you know, so they kind of shared taking I, care of the dog. I'm just all worried about the dog. Me too. I'm like, what's going on with I'm this like, dog? I'm like, where's Gabe now? I couldn't find anything on Gabe. Okay. I looked. Trust me. Okay. <laughs> Because you can always, like, where is she now? You know? Yeah. I couldn't find anything on Gabe. But um, they just all sat together and bitched about Nancy Pfister. What a bitch she was. Oh, I mean, wow. she would invite friends to lunch at these fancy restaurants and drink the most expensive champagne, ordered the most expensive meal, and then she would just walk out <gasps> and leave other people to pay for it. And they're like, but didn't you invite us to lunch? Oh, that's like the worst date of all time. Yeah. I guess she was not a very nice person. I mean, she was, and I think I told you that earlier in the week, she was literally the first person when people talked about her who didn't light up a room when she walked in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, Nancy was not the light of everyone's life. Um, so let me see. Um, yeah, so and the back and forth between the stylers and Fister continued and growing more awful by the day. I feel like by the minute as I was reading that book, it seemed like every page was something else. <laughs> they were doing petty things yes. back and forth. <clears throat> Very much so. On February 19th, 2014, Fister uh, told the Stylers she'd be home in three days, earlier than expected, and wanted them and their things, which included, you know, the spa equipment, um, gone by the time she returned. She added that if they were still there, they would have to book her a room at a local hotel for $900 a night. 
considering that they had no money and nowhere to go, and what tray uh, and that tray was mostly wheelchair bound, that was a really tall order. The next three days were a mad scramble for the stylers with a with them doing whatever they could, um, try to sell their jewelry, borrow cars and figure out their next step, where to stay, what to do, where to go. Um, the stylers, unable um, to be out in time, made sure they weren't at the house when Nancy arrived. Uh, they were shocked when um, Kathy Carpenter gave them a note from Nancy Fister. It's like Kathy was the middleman and Fister wrote a note. Give me my money or else. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, pretty much. I mean, she was demanding an additional $14,000, claiming they uh, had broken her things and saying she um, hold their property hostage until she received it. The angry back and forth escalated until several nights later, Carpenter found Fister bound and naked remains in a bedroom, in her bedroom closet. So police went to the Asphenault Lodge, where the Stylers had been staying, um, and arrested them for the murder of Nancy Fister. Nancy Styler was handcuffed right away. Um, Trey took a little while longer as he slowly shuffled out of the dark motel room wearing a thin bathrobe, and he was shivering. He was old. Um, or he looked older than his age, his actual age. I mean, he was in the late 60s. But his hands felt feeble, like old man hands. Mm -hmm. um, the two were separa uh, separately questioned by the police, and they both denied any involvement in the crime. Trey Styler um, took a polygraph test and failed, um, which, you know, rose everyone's suspicions. Yeah. But it was kind of weird how Kathy kind of pointed fingers straight away in her 911 call. She really pissed them off. And, you and know. it was like she knew right away who her enemies were. Right. But then she sat with them and bitched about Fister. Yeah. I don't know. She she She's in on it somehow. Mm. Yeah. So the cops were suspicious. Um but they could not really make a murder case against those two. I mean, there was no DNA, nothing. Um, and if there, I mean, if there was, obviously there was, because they lived in her house for two or three months. I can't. You know, so there was DNA all over the place. I can't believe she left and let them live there. I mean, she hated them before she left. She was like looking for new tenants. No, that was, she was in Australia. I mean, it was almost immediately after she got to Australia is when she sent emails and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, Nancy Styler before she left, before Nancy Fister left. See these Nancys. I know. Um, she said, I don't think I can take her much longer. And Trey was the one was like, hang in there. We need this house and right. this opportunity. Just keep her happy. Yeah. So, but anyway, he failed a polygraph test and um, the stylers, uh, 
okay, DNA, they couldn't Trace tie it. them to anything. So the stylers were released uh, later that day. A few days later, a city worker was picking through a public trash bin when he discovered a bloody hammer, pill bottles with Nancy Fister's name printed on them, and a vehicle registration for Trey and Nancy Styler's Jaguar. Um, the city worker immediately contacted police. Uh, police discovered that the trash bin was right behind the motel where the stylers were staying. Oh. And um, another important piece of evidence came when investigators discovered the owner's key to the closet uh, in which Nancy Nancy's body was found. Um, the key was found outside the styler's hotel room. Oh. Remember... Uh, in the beginning, I said Kathy had made copies, but and she put the key in there because she yes. knew Nancy was coming back from Australia and left the key in the lock so yeah. Nancy could get into her closet. Right. So, so the key was found um, right outside the Styler's hotel room. They were arrested on March 3rd, 2014. That, I think, was... Less than a week later. Yeah. From the time she was found murdered. Shortly afterward, investigators developed a theory that Kathy Carpenter had helped the two commit the crime. Based upon multiple statements uh, Kathy made to investigators describing items she had seen at the crime scene, that seemed impossible for her to have observed. Oh, so smart. Um... Uh, don't tell me you don't do murder, Aspen police. <laughs> Kathy was arrested and charged with first-degree murder three weeks later. Kathy Carpenter maintained her innocence, though less than two weeks before the preliminary hearing, Trey Styler told police, police that he wanted to make a statement regarding the murder. He had um, taken a plea bargain, confessed, Played guilty to first degree murder, and both his wife and um, uh, his wife Nancy and Kathy would be released. Trey Styler uh, began his statement when he told the police, "I lost my mind, or at least my rational mind. It was me. It was all me." <gasps> now, remember, I told no. you how feeble and you know he was almost kind of wheelchair bound. Yeah. Trey Styler described how he slipped out of his motel room while his wife Nancy was sleeping. He then drove his car to Nancy Fister's house to confront her about the way she treated uh, his wife when they rented her home. He then made a statement, I stuck my head in the door far enough to see that she was in fact in bed and I called out her name again and she still didn't respond. Trey described the gruesome details of what happened that morning. He told police that he quietly made his way to the bedroom, and while he watched Nancy Fister sleep, all the rage that had built inside him from the time his health um, began to decline years earlier, you know, he mm -hmm. had to stop working, spilled out of him all at once. Uh, he began to focus his anger on Fister and all of the d difficulties she had caused. He made his way back downstairs, grabbed a hammer and an axe. He also obtained orange extension cords and a plastic garbage bag, which he later used to tie her up. 
He then described how he struck her in the face with a hammer over and over again until she stopped moving. But then he realized she was still breathing. He plunged the axe into her chest. And that's what killed her. Um, Trey then wrapped Nancy's body in her bed sheet and multiple plastic bags and left her in the closet. He grabbed some of her belongings, such as the medication, cigarettes, um, to make it look like she was gone. He never told his wife, ruling her and Kathy Carpenter uh, out as suspects. As part of the plea deal, charges were dropped against his wife, and she cannot be charged for the crime in the future. Suspicion remains that Nancy, you know, may have been involved in the murder of the other Nancy. The charges against Carpenter were dropped, but pending any further information, investigators may learn Carpenter can be charged in Nancy's murder if they ever need to. However, they have found no concrete evidence linking Carpenter to Fister's death. Um, Carpenter's possible involvement in the case has been widely disputed by friends and family of Nancy, and many believe that the police were suspicious of Kathy due to the intense media uh, media coverage coverage in the um, aftermath of the murder. So. Uh, because Kathy put herself in the spotlight quite a bit. Mm. Quite a bit. So Trey Styler hung himself in his cell on August 6, 2015. Nancy collected on his $1 million in, uh, life insurance policy several month late, months later. And in January 2016, uh, Nancy's daughter, Juliana, filed a wrongful death suit against Nancy Styler. So she had to pay the daughter pretty much the life insurance money she got like $850,000 oh. so yeah so I don't know that was pretty much it so what do you think is he guilty no how I mean how could no. an extremely ill man in his late 60s manage doing all there that? is no way Mm -mm. Those girls were behind it 100%. And for sure. I think all three of them. Yeah. Because if you beat somebody with a hammer and you you hit them, you pull the arm back. I mean, there are blood splatters everywhere, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, but that room was clean. Yeah, well, you know, you can't even flip your own mattress. I, he was like no. practically in a wheelchair. Right. I mean, you cannot flip a mattress you in a wheelchair. There is no way mm -mm. that he did that. So the book I read about this um, lays out a case for his confession being inconsistent with the timeline of the crime as well as other areas where the evidence doesn't match the conclusion. I mean... His confession didn't really match with what the police had or didn't have. I don't know. They don't do murder. Um, so, I mean, or maybe, you know, for a second, I even thought, could he have done it by himself? Like, you know, Nancy took a lot of drugs. Was she knocked out that, I mean, she was. Yeah. Yeah. But still, 
Yeah, that she, I mean, she, because there were no defensive wounds or anything. I think he just went, whoever walked into that bedroom just straight up hit her with a hammer. Okay. Didn't even give her a chance to wake up. Yeah, it's crazy. There wasn't any blood, barely any blood. So that was cleaned up. Hmm. And they flipped the mattress. Yeah. Couldn't have been just him. Mm -mm. Wow. Great story. And I bet it was a really good book. It as was well. a good book, actually. I, you know me, I always think some things are relevant and they're really not. So I took a bunch of stuff out yeah. <laughs> to make it a little bit shorter. So, yeah. but yeah, I don't think he did it. Um, I think somehow all three of them were involved. And they're probably out together shopping at Macy's this weekend. Well, maybe. For their matching Patagonia sweaters. <laughs> Who knows? Well, yeah. while I'm thinking about it really fast, um, speaking of men and whatever. Um, men and murder. Men and murder <laughs> and whatnot. Uh we are looking for Canadian men Ooh, for a yes. for a loyal listener, uh, a Canadian man that's you know handsome, available. Uh, we would like to hook you up, so email us at Judgy Crime Girls. A Canadian man who has his shit together and is handsome, right? We are processing applications. <clears throat> yes. Please apply. <laughs> Judge crime girls at gmail.com. <laughs> Hashtag stay judgy, you guys. Hey, thanks for listening. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.